0: Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and welcome to another episode podcast of Treks in Sci-Fi. This is going to be show number 606. It is, what is it, October 16th, 2016. Uh, on today's show, we're going to look at, I'm going to kind of briefly go over the pilot episodes of all the various Star Trek series. I've covered them individually, but I kind of wanted to give them an overview for an episode of the show. Just kind of talk about the differences between them, what I like about them, and and how they set the stage for the series. The series is series. I guess you just say the plural of series is series, right? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Also talk about latest television that I've been watching, uh, things like Westworld and and, and so forth and so on, on this week's Treks in Sci-Fi. Here we go. I'm Captain Kirk.
3: My name is Optimus Prime.
2: I am the future subborn. Resistance is futile.
3: Yes, Jedi's strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side.
4: Catchy. it's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate, but it's a gold Oh, Lord. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
0: This is uh, Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, your host for Treks in Sci-Fi. A few bits of business. Uh, if you'd like to um, ever get a hold of me, you can contact me via trek sf at gmail.com or join the facebook group and message me there uh we also have a, a obviously a website uh, treks uh <laughs> what's the matter with me it's been a while uh as i say sometimes doing a solo regular show again last week dave did the uh cool show about robin hood the week before that jen and i talked about voyager so yeah it's been a little while but anyway um uh, fi.com is where you can find uh, the main website. And also, I, I got to say, again, uh, if you want to support the show, Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash SciFi. Uh, if you can donate a dollar or two a month to help support the podcast, that's great. Um, also, those, the Patreon members, for all Patreon members, in probably within the next month or so, you're going to get a uh, a special little surprise in the mail for me, a little thank you. So, uh, if you want to join up for Patreon, you can be part of that little uh, little small little gift I want to give back to the members. And I'll need people's addresses, but we'll take care of that off, as they say, offline. I have conference calls for work, and when there's something a big subject to talk about separately, people always say, "Well, let's talk about that offline." Conference calls aren't really online, or I don't know. Who knows? Okay, so how's everybody doing? It's a Sunday morning. Um, actually, Lynn's been out of town this week, so it's a little. It's been pretty quiet here at the house. I've been doing some final work on the garage. We're pretty much done with the renovations there, and now it's time to organize, buy some uh, cabinet shelving. I want to get a workbench, a little workbench out there, just kind of fix it up nice and, and kind of reorganize things. Now that the the walls and all the drywall work and most of the, I guess, the painting's basically done. I got a couple little spots to touch up, I think, but that worked out pretty good. It took a long time, but uh, it went well. Um, let's see, what has been going on in, in the worlds of Star Wars, Star Trek, television? Well, Star Wars, we saw the new Rogue One trailer, right? The, or the final Rogue One trailer. Man, that movie looks good. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like, a, a, a fanboy or fangirls, yes, I'm going to say boys and girls. Uh, dream come true. There's no words for fan man, fan woman. You notice that fanboy, fan girl. Maybe it's the implication that to be a fan, you have to be young or young at heart. I don't know. So, um, but man, Rogue One just looks fantastic to me. It just, it's got everything. It's got all kinds of cool stuff. I like the fact that we're getting new characters, interesting characters. Yeah, they've had to sort of fit it into the Star Wars mythos. They didn't go way outside of what, what's, you know, taking place. This is about, of course, stealing the plans to the Death Star uh, uh, from the Empire to uh, in order to figure out the flaw and destroy it. And it, it looks really good, looks really interesting. And there's little bits in it that, that seem to be reminiscent of things that happened in the EU that I'm interested to see how they, they do that. But uh, I'm I'm super excited for it. There have been some people online actually that have been saying like they're almost more excited than for it than the Force Awakens. You know, I I think I'm excited for it for different reasons. I'm glad they're doing something a little different. Again, even though they are uh, fitting it into the the canon that was established, you know, back in 1977. Even Uh, so, but it it does you know really look interesting. And of course, they're really keeping Vader to a minimum. You know, there's a quick little shot in, in the new trailer, but there's not much. And I don't think, you know, from what they've said and, and, and we've heard, he's going to be used very much in the movie, which I think makes sense. I mean, honestly, how much can you use Vader in this movie without just sort of him taking over the movie in a way, right? Um, but uh, but it is very, very exciting and it's it's cool. It's hard to believe it was only a year ago or a little little less than a year ago, 10 months ago, I guess, about when uh the force awakens came out you know and now we're gonna get a star wars movie uh rogue one this christmas and then of course the following christmas we're gonna get episode eight right whatever that's going to be titled uh with the continuing adventures of ray and finn and poe and all that so uh and and, and of course bb8 right uh, uh star trek <clears throat> excuse me i'm a little froggy this morning i feel okay but um So Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Beyond is still gathering a little bit of money over, overseas. It's still playing, been playing in China. Uh, it came out on digital here and the, uh, the DVD I think comes out at the very, I think it's like the first or the second week of November. Oh, right in time for election data for people to, you know, watch something and not pay attention to the U S election. If you're in the U S, uh, or elsewhere, I suppose there's a lot of the world that's probably kind of watching it too. Um, I ordered the DVD, Blu-ray or Blu-ray DVD, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think you get both kind of in this package. I ordered one of the sets off Amazon, the one that comes with the little ship, uh, the the Franklin. There's, of course, a bunch of editions of this. Supposedly Target has one, I think, with some extra stuff that the other people aren't getting. Uh, it, it's it's somewhat annoying that they do this constantly, that they don't just have. I'm okay with, with um, different... Pack in type things like ships, or doodads, or or whatever little collectible things. But I I I wish the discs themselves contained all the same stuff, no matter what store you were in, you where it went to. You know uh, that the extra features, you know that you got like two discs or whatever. One was a bunch of bonus stuff, and one was the movie or whatever. I wish that wasn't different from place to place. Uh, uh, It's it's really really like annoying and 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 a a kind of a ripping off people of course i'm i'm a big fan of as everyone who listens to this show knows so i'll probably have to go out and buy a couple different editions probably buy the one at target too along with um the one off amazon there's another one i think walmart's got a little three ship mini set that's coming with it so uh yeah. Again, the the extra collectible stuff that that's okay. That that's a way to gimmick it to get you to buy it at different places. But at least the content on the discs is you know would be nice if it's the same. So, um, but yeah, you know I love that movie. I think that's a great movie. I wish it had done a little better in the box office. I still think we'll get at least one more film for a few reasons. I think they want to maybe close out this era of the movies. And I I think some of it's going to depend a little bit about how the Star Trek Discovery TV series, even though they're not connected, I think they're going to gauge, you know, if that that series does well and really takes off, I think they'll be much more inclined to do a new movie, do another movie. So we may not get a, a real official announcement. There's sort of been an unofficial talk. You know, Chris Hemsworth is supposed to come back in the next film, playing Kirk's father somehow, maybe a time thing, a mirror universe, who knows what are they going to do? Time travel, whatever. But, um, and then the main characters, I think the main principal actors have been sort of re-signed, at least Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine. I'm not sure about Carl Urban, but, you know, he was fantastic in the last movie, and I I love him. He's a great actor. Uh, I liked, um, you know, I've liked just about everything Carl Urban's been in, basically. So uh, so I do think we'll get another movie. I, I think it's probably going to be a couple years off. Probably, I would predict, let's see, three years from this year. So 2019 sounds like a long way off. But uh, I think probably by next summer, they'll decide completely. Maybe sooner. Who knows? But, you know, Star Trek Discovery is pushed back and not starting until May, next May of 2017. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, which I think actually Star Trek Discovery starting at that point in time is kind of good. You know, when when a show, I think um, most television shows, you know, in the U.S. at least end around May. So uh, Star Trek coming on then might be a really good thing because there won't be nearly as much competition for it. and People will be looking for something to watch. So, Um, but yeah, that's enough Star Trek Star Wars chitter chatter. Uh, Let me take a short break. I'm going to come back, talk a little bit about the latest TV I've been watching, and then we'll get into the Star Trek um, series trailers, not trailers sorry pilot well i'm going to be playing the trailers for the different pilots i'll be back in a minute do you remember playing great pc games like king's quest command and conquer and x-wing do you remember spending hours tweaking your config sys and autoexec bat files to eke out just one more k of conventional memory if you do then you may be interested in my show the upper memory block every two weeks we talk in depth about a game game series company or technology from the dos and pre windows xp gaming era We'll discuss the story, gameplay and technology of the games of the time, but more importantly we're
2: going to focus on what made each game special, interesting stories from their development, and how they
0: shaped what PC gaming is today. If you remember gaming in the late 80s and early 90s, or you're interested in finding out more about it, come join your host Joe in the Upper Memory Block. That's the Upper Memory Block podcast at UMBCASP.com, or find it on iTunes. All right, television. Uh- for me, the, the the coolest new show on is on HBO, and that's Westworld. There's only been, I've only seen two episodes so far, but this show is really good. It's it's very interesting, super well made, produced, acted, uh, the look of it, the style, the the storylines, the characters, just everything, everything about this show. You know, there's a lot of talk. Uh, it, I was going to say everything about this show is really cool and good. There was a lot of, um, the, the show had a long period of developmental time. You know, there was different talk is out there that they kind of started it and they kind of retooled it and rejiggered it. And, uh, but but the final product so far has been great. I, I And everybody that I've seen online talking about it uh, seems to feel the same way. You know, the idea is there's this, it's set somewhat in the future, this undetermined period. It, it doesn't really specify when it is. Uh, who knows, maybe they'll never do that, but there's enough tech around and little things so far, even in the first two episodes that make you think it's somewhat in the future. So there's this um, sort of, um, a dream amusement park called Westworld, where people can pay a whole bunch of money and, and go visit it. And, and basically there are these super lifelike, you know, androids or robots or whatever you want to call them. Uh, they, um they I think on the show they call them the hosts they're the hosts for the guests and uh, they're they're super um again lifelike and and the trick is they run through different stories and scenarios it's almost like a real life RPG type game and the guests that come to the park or the place to Westworld can do basically whatever they want they can't be hurt if there's a gunfight they're they're basically protected uh, that these uh, the hosts can't hurt humans, can't hurt the human visitors. At least that's their programming and the technology they have in place, or something that um, doesn't let them do that. Uh, and but there's some kind of glitch in the system. You know the, these uh, I don't want to give away too much, but things aren't going quite uh, the way the uh, people running the park wanted to go. And there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of a lot of interesting things. And they're just really starting to set the stage, I think, for what's to come. But it's uh, it's really great if you don't have HBO, you know, maybe pay for the HBO Go app. I don't know. What does that cost? Ten bucks or something. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, they've HBO has got a lot of great stuff. You know, of course, they have Game of Thrones and this show. And, and, and they've done a lot of cool series over the years. And this is definitely one of them. Uh, I would highly, highly recommend it. Uh, You know, it'll do these things eventually show up on Netflix. I don't know. I think HBO tends to keep them pretty close to their network as long as they can. So it may be a while if you're waiting for it to show up in other places. But, um, yeah, great show. Um, What else have I been watching? I just finished the third season. It's not exactly sci-fi, but it's computer um, focused on computer things, so I think it's of, of interest to probably a lot of the people listening to the show about the early days of the computer industry called Halt and Catch Fire. I've talked about it before on the podcast, but, man, this season was really interesting. And uh, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm going to give one little tiny spoiler. Near the end of this season, they kind of take a little jump ahead in time a few years, and, and that really sets the stage for they're going to do another season, a fourth season. And that that's going to be the they've announced one more season and it's going to be the final season, season four. And the, the show is great. Lee Pace, one of the main uh, uh, characters and, and the actor playing uh, uh, one of the main guys in the show, uh, Joe McMillan, is really, really good. I mean, he's doing some great stuff on this show and his character has changed quite a bit over the years. So, again, another highly recommended show. It's on uh, AMC. Yeah, AMC. And, of course, next week is just ended and next week it's kind of making room because The Walking Dead comes back, (laughs) which is, oh, man, I I, I'm so kind of somewhat scared and and I don't want to watch this premiere episode because for those following this show, there's something big that's going to happen with with a character, a bad guy character called Negan, who's been in the comics and it's going to be it's going to be a rough start to the season. That's for sure. So, um what else have I? I haven't tried the new Frequency show yet. I have a couple on my DVR on my TiVo. Uh, I don't know. I'm mixed on that. I've tried a couple of episodes of the new MacGyver. I think I'm going to give up on it. I, I it's just not grabbing me. I, I I like I love the old MacGyver show. Uh, this new MacGyver is just it's just not doing it. Uh, I for one thing I prefer MacGyver to be off kind of on his own doing missions and he's got a little team. Which isn't terrible, uh, isn't a terrible idea, but I, I prefer him to be a solo guy out there trying, you know, trying to do what he does. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know. It, just the main characters, the main actors don't don't really do much for me. They don't seem to have have whatever the old show had. So, um, but what else? What else am I? New? Oh, the other new new thing I'm watching that I think is is been pretty okay so far. That that's not much of a recommendation, but timeless. Uh, NBC, I think, is showing that. Yeah. And uh, I've seen a couple episodes. Uh, One, they went back to um, the Hindenburg. One, they went back to um, uh, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. So I I, I get I don't know. We'll we'll see how the show continues. But I kind of hope that that every week they're not going back to some key point in history that sometimes, you know, they go to something else. But that seems to be the way it's going. You know, there seems to be this guy who's trying to mess with history. For his own agenda, we don't really know what that is yet. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna keep watching that one. I I think that one's uh, been good so far. Uh, I'm still watching uh, the cable show from dusk to dawn. I think we're in season. Is it season three of that show? I don't know. This year hasn't been as good to me. Um, Ash versus the Evil Dead is back. That show's goofy fun. Uh, the um, oh, I, I guess the last thing I'll talk about are the CW shows. They're all on and back now. Supergirl started this year, and of course it moved uh, to the CW. And that first show with the bringing in Clark slash Superman uh, was fantastic. <laughs> the guy playing uh, Clark and the way they wrote him is so much better than than uh, <laughs> the movie, Superman. This guy's kind of does a lot of, you know, smiling, for example. Hey, Superman smiling. What a concept. Uh, yes, he's not dark and brooding like Batman. There, I said it. So, but yeah, this was a great show. Um, we have, the, of course, The Flash has been back a couple of weeks now. Uh, uh, Arrow is back, and DC Legends of Tomorrow, which this season looks quite a bit different than last season. And, uh, you know, that had a shorter season last year. It started later, so maybe some people didn't catch it. But hey, if you want some superhero, goofy, kind of action fun, not very serious type of show, it is serious, but not serious. Uh, hard to explain, but uh, b- boy, this first episode of season two, uh, we had a lot of guest people from other CW shows, I'll say, and it's it's great. So so check out that show as well. I mean, if you're a comic book fan, I've said it many times, these shows in the CW are, are basically the, as good as it gets, and, and they're... You know, you wait years to see something like a, like a Superman, Batman movie, or or we got Wonder Woman next year, or any of the comic book films, even the Marvel films. You know, you wait so long to get a two-hour movie, you know, between, you know, Captain America movies and Avenger movies. But here, every week, you know, now you're getting like, well, it's not quite an hour long each, but we'll just say, you know, getting four episodes of comic book fun on television. I mean, it's, it's the golden age of being a comic fan and a geek, uh, you know as we say many times, but these shows are, are, to me, even more fun and more interesting than than what goes on in the movie theaters, really. I mean, they're, they get a chance to do more with them. Oh, and Marvel Agents of Shields is back, um, and and that's good. Although this season, I don't know. Well, they brought in Ghost Rider, which has been in the trailers and previews, so that's not a spoiler. Uh, I don't consider it a spoiler if it's shown up in an ad or a trailer. So uh and that's interesting but uh I don't know the uh, they've made some changes to it and it's kind of feels a little different this year. Uh it's still fun. I still like it uh, but uh and I'll keep watching. So uh a few things aren't back yet. The Vampire Diaries and uh you know that um the vampire type shows uh the uh whatever the originals the uh spin-off one and also Grimm isn't back yet which uh, is another show that I watched. And the last thing is Rebels. Rebels, the Star Wars animated series, uh, fantastic. I mean, great show. This year has been fantastic so far. So watch that if you haven't had a chance to watch that. Uh, it it started off a little bit more of a kiddie show, but but boy, the last uh, last season this year they they've uh, they, they've made it real interesting. I mean, it's still you know it is an animated show, but. The, the episodes so far this year have been great. So and, and again, you wait years to get a Star Wars movie. Well, now we're only waiting about a year to, between movies, but uh, you can see, you know, 20 episodes or so or whatever they do of these shows uh, on air. So uh, that's great. So, all right. I should stop now. 20 minutes in the podcast already. Heck. Let's get into Star Trek series pilot episodes. To begin with, um, I'm just going to get segue right into this, and then we'll play a, kind of a preview clip, to trailer to it. But the first one, of course, as many people know, Star Trek started uh, with an original pilot uh, with a different, slightly different cast and, uh, and uh, set of actors. Jeffrey Hunter as Christopher Pike, uh, Leonard Nimoy was still there as Spock, but the rest of the crew was. Pretty different, and the uh, the pilot episode, the cage, as just about every good Star Trek fan uh, knows, was rejected by the uh, the studio. It was, re- you know, the the classic thing that everybody says, or has every always been reported, was that it was it was called uh, too su- cerebral by the the suits, let's call them. And and you can see that when you watch this episode, we, we, you know it was later uh, mushed into a two part pilot, uh, two part, sorry. The pilot was was um, uh, sort of revolved into a, uh, or evolved into a two part uh, episode called the Menagerie. And that was a very elegant way for Gene Roddenberry, I thought, to uh, to use that original pilot episode. Uh, a really, really cool idea because there was quite a bit of difference in, in look of the show, uh, the bridge, the uniforms, and of course the characters that you could easily use that. Uh, it wasn't like there was a different Kirk. you know, if let's say if they had done the pilot and none of the characters had changed, maybe if they changed the actors, they really wouldn't have been able to do what they did with the menagerie, I don't think. Uh, as they were able to do in this case so uh, I'll come back and talk a little bit more about this uh, but uh, let me play uh, one of the preview trailers to the original very 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 first pilot of Star Trek called The Cage
2: Before Kirk there was another captain of the Enterprise
0: My name is Christopher Pike, commander of the Space Vehicle Enterprise.
2: Witness the first voyage Mr. Spock here And relive the mission. Let me please you. That launched the entire Trek universe. Try anything at all,
3: break your neck. Your ship will destroy
2: it.
0: Star Trek. Yeah, so the uh, that's a little uh, quick blurb on uh, the cage, uh, the first very first pilot of Star Trek. I've actually got a a little bit of and uh, Roddenberry speaking about this uh, pilot episode back when they were able to reassemble the cage from footage, uh, both from the, that was used in the menagerie later in color, and then black and white stuff that they found uh, from the original cage. Um, they they eventually colorized or found other color footage i forget which way it went and eventually the cage uh, a full color version of that eventually came out but mm-hmm. i i love the first uh pilot episode the uh you know it's got a, a lot of cool things about it for for instance um, for those that may never have heard i think i've said it before on the show uh, but uh back in the 50s when they had that uh, movie come out forbidden planet there's a lot of influences from that uh that movie in star trek and and they especially show up in the cage uh the way the characters interact with each other a little bit the captain's a little bit more authoritative and stiff i think uh not not in a bad way but a little more militaristic militaristic <laughs> i can't talk uh but uh only 600 podcasts and i still can't talk the um and the uniforms the look of it a bit they have those little away team jackets really a lot of things very much like i'm surprised they don't have robbie the robot uh on the enterprise but a lot of things very much like forbidden planet and this idea that they find this this colony out there of of people from earth but of course it turns into that the you know that it's not real or at least vena is the only one that survived and they have the they run into these um aliens, uh, the Telosians that can basically mess with your mind and make you think and, and uh, you're seeing something that you're not, it, which is a very classic uh, alien kind of encounter story. You know, when you think about it, I mean, the idea that, um, you know, the, the, the big brain, the big headed, you know, a lot of the old sci fi movies, you know, the ones that Mark does sometimes, you know especially things like this island earth and others, you know, the, uh, you know, the aliens and, and, and future people, you know, all have bigger heads, right? Cause that gives you a bigger brain. And, and then you have these mental abilities. So it's, it's a classic, classic old style sci-fi storyline really, but done super well, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to let, um, I'm going to let Gene Roddenberry here in, in a moment speak about um, there's this is about, I think it's about five minutes long or so. Uh, about the, uh, the first pilot episode, a little bit about Star Trek in general, and a little bit about the studios and what he was trying to do when he created Star Trek, but I think it's interesting. I think it's worth playing. Uh, so I'm going to play this for you, uh, with Gene Roddenberry talking about the original Trek pilot. Here we go.
4: You were the ones who said it first, Star Trek lives, and live it does. For over two decades it has. But now I want to take you back to a time when the Enterprise and Spock and Kirk and all the rest were just part of an idea I had. Back to the beginnings of Star Trek. To the first Star Trek pilot, a pilot being a film that is meant to demonstrate to a network what a new series will look like each week. This 60 Minutes is today considered something of a television document. And some regard it as perhaps as exciting as any Star Trek that's since been filmed. When the network saw what you soon will see, they rejected it. From that day until now, the first pilot has never been seen in its original form. This Star Trek pilot story is called The Cage. Check the circuit. All operating, sir. Can't be the screen, then. It begins on the bridge of a recognizable starship enterprise commanded by Captain Christopher Pike, played by the late Jeff Hunter. So far, so good. Except that TV in those days was at the peak of its love affair with the Western story. I wanted to sell my series, so I had promised the network that my Star Trek idea would be little more than a space Western. A wagon train to the stars, zap guns instead of six shooters, spaceships instead of horses. But as I began writing that pilot, I suddenly realized that here was a chance to do the kind of drama I'd always dreamed of doing. I had seen science fiction movies before, but I'd always thought to myself, not enough characterization, not enough motivation. Perhaps I could use this as an excuse to go to those far off planets with little polka dotted people if necessary and be able to talk about love, war, nature, God, sex, all those things that go to make up the excitement of the human condition. And maybe the TV sensors would let it pass because it all seemed so make-believe. So instead of a space Western, I delivered a very different kind of story. one which dealt with the strange dangers of illusion, the enormous power of imagination, with whole worlds that can come from inside people's heads. And as if that wasn't enough, Back in those days, before the phrase women's lib" was ever heard, I put a woman second in command of our starship. On top of which, my script required our actress, Major Barrett, to play this woman as having a highly superior computerized mind. Now, she does a good job, all right. It's just that I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. You might have thought the ladies in our test audience would have appreciated that. Instead, their comments were, who does she think she is? No offense, Lieutenant, you're different, of course. And I had written in another character, who wasn't even human. An alien who looked like Satan himself, complete with pointy ears. Was that all? No, I was uncooperative in other ways, too. For example, no one aboard the USS Enterprise smoked. And tobacco advertising was key to network profits in those days. Also, I had refused to cast our crew sensibly, which meant all whites. And when the network finally saw the pilot, some of their executives were outraged. And I can't say I really blame them. For the considerable money they had put up, they certainly did not get a Western space opera. In fact, nothing even faintly like it. But this part of the story isn't as simple as good guys versus bad guys either the network's very top program executive, was impressed by the fact that this film made him feel as if it would actually been flying in a spaceship. Doing something almost never done before, the network ordered a second pilot. And this one had better be familiar action-adventure or else. And so the second Star Trek pilot was made, it was accepted, and the rest turned into our shared history. Well, if social fashions change, economics never do. By the time we got into the series, a money crunch was on, and we folded our pilot into another story, which you know as The Menagerie, the two-part movie. That's how Captain Kirk met Christopher Pike and learned of his tragic fate. In the film that follows, parts are in color, parts are in black and white. The color footage was used in the menagerie. The parts that are black and white are all that is left from the first pilot. Now we'll roll the story that Kirk never saw, our unseen pilot, the cage. And after it's over, come back and there's more to tell.
0: So some good uh, commentary there from Gene Roddenberry, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, you know, about the cage. And and again, most of that's been been talked about before, but... uh, I love the pilot. I, I in my in my dreams, you know, it would be cool if there would have been another Star Trek series revolving around that era in Star Trek, which, hey, guess what? It's kind of happening because the new Star Trek Discovery series takes place around 10 years or so before the original Star Trek, which is pretty darn close to the era of the cage. So who knows what's going to happen there? Are they going to have uniforms like the cage? Or are they going to have, um, who knows? Who knows? Only um, Brian Fuller, I guess. But um, we'll know in about a year, a little more, less than a year. Well, quite a bit less than a year. Five, let's see. do the math, da, 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 seven, eight months, something like that. All right, let's move on. As Gene Roddenberry mentioned in there, the, the network commissioned another pilot episode of Star Trek for um, for them to do because they rejected the cage, of course. And this was, um, was actually not the first episode of the original series that aired. Uh, probably a lot of you know that the original uh, series started uh, in 1966. With the episode "The Man Trap was the first one aired on network TV, but that was not the pilot episode. Pilot episode was called "Where No Man" or is called "Where No Man Has Gone." Before the one with Gary Mitchell, he'll also get these very, very superpowers. You know, kind of in a way, uh, he doesn't have the ability to manipulate um, your mind exactly, but he can manipulate a lot more than that. Really, he can make things appear. He can he can move objects with his mind. He's uh, He's pretty darn powerful, uh, but where no man has gone before was like the third episode that was aired, and uh, which I've always found kind of interesting—the way they mix up the um, the order of airing uh, series episodes, especially Star Trek, especially the original series, the first season, versus the um, the order they were filmed in. Uh, Firefly had that uh, issue, right? They they didn't um, when it was originally aired. That was uh, I think the Train Job was the first one that was aired on TV rather than that original sort of pilot episode, which I think was a huge mistake. And, and and actually, for me personally, it put me off Firefly at first. The train job, I don't think, was a really one of their better episodes. And it certainly didn't give you this feel of the show like the pilot does. So where Noma has gone before, I think, you know, if they had aired that one first, but, you know, The Man Trap, people have always said, is not a, you know, a super great Trek episode. It's kind of a monster of the week story in a way. I still think it's good. I still like it, of course. It's Star Trek, hey. Uh, but as, as a first episode to air for a new series, it, it, it doesn't seem like the best choice, especially when you look at some of those early first season Trek episodes. There was a ton of better episodes to air, really, than that one. Uh, but anyway, so without uh, any further ado on this a little, let me play one of the um, the preview clips to um, Where No Man Has Gone Before. Captain's Log, Stardate 1312.4.
3: The next mission of the Enterprise takes us into an unknown force field, which
2: affects the destiny of my closest friend.
4: I understand you least of all. Gary told me that you've been friends since he joined the service, that you asked for him aboard your first command.
3: It is my duty, whether pleasant or unpleasant, to listen to the reports, observations, even speculations on any subject that might affect the safety of this vessel.
4: It's like a man who has been blind all of his life suddenly being given sight sometimes i feel there's nothing i couldn't do in time some people think that makes me a monster don't they what would you do in my place kill me
0: Where No Man Has Gone Before, uh, a, a really good, strong Star Trek episode. I think uh, definitely something uh, more appealing to the network. I guess sort of a little westerny, more cowboys and Indians. I mean, there's a big fight with Kirk and Gary Mitchell at the end. Uh, and, you know, this idea that a good friend of yours gets, gets sort of this superpower and it kind of corrupts him is is a tough one and kirk has to basically you know kill his his best friend in the episode so it's a strong strong episode and uh i like it a lot it's one of my favorites and i think there's a lot um you know there's a lot of differences between that and and the cage uh quite a bit you know different between the two episodes so um so those were the two pilots from the original series so let's move on because we have let's see tng we have ds9 voyager enterprise so we have four more to to swing through pretty quickly so uh of course uh the first episode of tng encounter at farpoint the pilot episode uh the the thing about encounter at farpoint that i've always thought is is it's and and there was that um behind the scenes kind of in the early days of tng things that william shatner hosted um Chaos on the Bridge, is that what it was called? Yeah, Chaos on the Bridge, which will tell you a lot about uh, the show in the early days, especially the pilot and other, other things. Very worthwhile watching that. But uh, the, the pilot episode of um, TNG, Encounter at Farpoint, is, is a really disjointed, weird episode. You know, you've got the whole thing with Farpoint Station going on. And then you've got uh, this new crew coming together, introducing all the characters, and you have Q of of course popping in. So it's 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 a bit of a mixed bag, and it's pretty disjointed, truthfully, and it 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 doesn't work super well. I can still remember watching that episode when it when it first premiered, and of course I was a big Trek fan, had watched the original series and reruns for years. We were all just so excited and dying for for new Star Trek. And, and when that came on, I, I have to say, after that first episode, it was kind of like I liked it, but it was it was really different. And, and I, I didn't know if I was going to really grow to like the characters. It was really hard. You know, they weren't super, super lovable or likable as quickly, in, I, I think, or as easily as the original series, at least in my mind. It took many episodes, and, and of course, I think most TNG fans and, and Star Trek fans— Feel that the first season of TNG is is a, is a rocky one to, to say the least. There there's some ups and downs in it quite a bit, but but you know eventually it finds its way. Especially by about season three, it gets super strong. Characters become very interesting, very well defined. Uh, I think the actors have a lot to do with that. I think the casting was fantastic. So uh, let me play the. Um, one of the preview trailers to encounter at Farpoint uh, the first episode pilot episode of TNG tonight the 24th century begins
3: welcome to the enterprise in a special world premiere movie Star Trek the next generation ready for departure sir Engage. 78 years have passed since the days of the original USS Enterprise. Now a new galaxy starship has been designed with a new team of highly skilled Federation explorers. Starfleet Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Commander Riker, Executive Officer, Chief Medical Officer Crusher, and her brilliant son, Wesley, Lieutenant Commander Data, an android, the telepathic Troy, Jordi, a man with unique vision, Security Officer Yar, and Klingon Officer Worf. Shields and deflectors up, sir. Go to yellow alert. Their first mission, investigate a new star base on planet Denim Four. Thou art directed to return to thine own solar system immediately. A hostile alien threatens the crew. Now go back, or thou shalt most certainly die. But they're determined to finish their mission. I have photon torpedoes. Place them on ready status.
2: Hostel is now beginning to overtake us, sir.
3: Together, they stand trial before a merciless court. You will now answer to the charge of being a grievously savage race. Now, they have 24 hours to uncover the secrets of a strange world. They're finally on far points, sir. The classic legend begins an all-new adventure. Let's see what's out there. Star
0: Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, so there's the trailer for um, Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, I think there's some really cool things about it. I mean, I think it does a good job of the character introductions. Uh, I uh, I think they're uh, they're well handled. And uh, but uh, you know the the mix of storylines in there. You know, TNG had that habit of doing that, and all the Star Trek. It really, pretty much beyond TOS. TOS really never really did that very much. They did a little bit here or there. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the A and B storylines. TNG was pretty, pretty famous for getting that going where there were, there'd sort of be a main thing going on, a main threat or main problem to solve. And then there'd be some side thing going on with maybe a couple of the characters, two or three characters uh, having some kind of interaction or something. And sometimes they were connected, sometimes they weren't. And the, you know, here, the, the, a and B storylines are still affecting kind of the whole crew, the Denim station and Farpoint station thing on, on Denim 4. And then uh, the Q stuff were, were basically involving everyone. Uh, but uh, I still think it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I still think they there were other episodes, other stories they might have done. That might have been a little bit cleaner, but uh, hey, it worked. I can't complain. You know, we got seven years of TNG, and, and it really set the stage for – this idea that Star Trek could continue and could go on with other series, other characters, other storylines well beyond the original series. you know this you know, we're so used to these days movies and television shows being sort of restarted and rebooting, but it never happened back back in the day. I mean, I, I would say Star Trek <laughs> is probably the primary example of, of saying yes, that couldn't it can be done and it can work and it can work very well. Uh, and and they, they really were one of the forerunners of this idea of bringing something back, changing it a bit, trying not to repeat exactly what was done before. I think Gene Roddenberry was super smart in terms of, you know, he could have just done Star Trek 2.0. You know, he could have just either brought back the original actors. I mean, it wasn't that far removed and done a later version of it, had them maybe be part of Starfleet Command and send off other crews. I mean, he, he had a lot of different ways of doing it, but he, yeah, he, he kind of rebooted it. We had another ship show. We had another ship show following a a crew aboard the Enterprise and other Enterprise. But other than that, it's, it's, it's really completely different, completely different than the original series in tone and look. Uh, And, and I think it forged its own way by far. I mean, I think there are, there's parallels. You have uh, the command crew and actors and characters that you know kind of represent some of the original series characters, but you have a similar situation with a with a Starfleet ship and so forth. So, all right, then you get on to probably the biggest departure from from Star Trek classic, sort of like Star Trek that they've ever done on a on a TV show, and that's of course Deep Space Nine. Here you were going to do a show aboard a uh, Deep Space Nine space station, not a ship show. Uh, it was going to have uh, a, a host of different characters. And they were kind of basically the idea of it, kind of like Babylon 5. And and some of you know that there's always been a lot of controversy about, you know, which came first, who stole whose idea. But I'm not going to get into that here. Uh, but you had a, a stationary station and the storylines and things were gonna basically, they were gonna kind of sit there and wait for them to come to them, you know, with visitors through the the station and and things going on that they would have to deal with. Of course, after a couple of seasons, it evolved into more, much more than that, right? With the big war with the Cardassians, you know, and, and and Odo's people, and and all the, you know, the you know everything involving these different. Aliens, and then they brought in the Defiant, which allowed them to get off the station more. And they had the wormhole there, of course, uh, you know, that that let them get to the Gamma Quadrant, and and just you know, the 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 show became really much more than it originally it seemed like it would be, uh, you know, to start with. And of course, they had to do that; they had to branch off. And and the the reason I was saying earlier about this being so different is, is of course, you know, Deep Space Nine a space station. Uh, not a ship show to begin with, and you had um, a commander in charge, uh, Cisco, with a son. He had lost his wife. He had some bitterness to uh, Picard, to Starfleet, I think, in general. And, and And the biggest thing, I think, about Deep Space Nine that people would say is one of the things that they always had trouble with TNG is, you know, Roddenberry's sort of edict that that people in the future everybody gets along with everybody pretty much. Well, in D- DS Nine, nobody got along with anyone very much. I mean, they eventually do a bit, and, and that takes time. But there's a lot more um, emotion and anger and anim- animosity uh, between the characters in that show than, than probably any other Trek show that they've ever done, and and I and I think it works and and it's different and interesting. People will say things like, you know, I, I, I try not to say like, oh, this one's better than this and this one's better than that. For Star Trek, for me, uh, they're like saying one kid is better than another. I mean, I love all the Star Trek series for what they are. DS9, I think, is just interesting because it's it it really gets deep into the aliens uh, and, and other cultures, especially the Bajorans and the Cardassians and the Klingons. They, they, they really spend a good amount of time... Uh, covering uh, a lot of ground and a lot of things and developing a lot of things that they never really did much as mu- or nearly as much on other shows, other Trek shows. Trek shows tended to be, you know, story of the week things, right? TNG especially. There were some arcs a little bit, many little arcs here and there. But but they were mostly, you could kind of mix all the episodes up in, in, in TNG and, and certainly the original series, and it wouldn't matter that much which ones you watched. Uh, except my my commentary about the pilot and which one episodes you show to begin with, but the uh, but DS9 though, especially the later years, uh, it was an ongoing story, and that brought in this idea. I think for both, it was coming from other TV shows that were airing at the time uh, in the in the '90s, late '90s and early 2000s, uh, and, and Star Trek DS9 was sort of feeding that idea of these these long long arcs of a story going and they they did it super well I, I love that i I think I enjoy shows I enjoy shows that have both an arc thing going and you know individual episodes too uh, i I can take either one but I, I I almost like the arc stuff more because I think it's like reading a book you know you can you can get into things a lot more in in depth than in a 45 minute episode of uh, Trek or whatever So there's a lot more ground that you can cover and you can make it a lot more, um, more meaningful and, and memorable in a way you can easily forget single episodes but but the story arcs sort of stick with you the overall all story but um uh let's play the um so the first um the first pilot episode of ds9 uh is an interesting one we, we have some tng people uh guesting in uh what's, what's that episode called again the emissary <laughs> i have trouble with with ds9 episodes and, and uh and I uh, titles of episodes, I think when Jen and I were talking, you know, uh, I, I'm pretty good with TNG, pretty good with um, the original series, really good with the original series. I mean, there's pretty much, I've got those memorized back and forth, but once you get into DS9, Voyager, Enterprise even, uh, Enterprise, I actually, I think I'm a little bit better at, uh, I think maybe because there's only four seasons of that, but uh, but anyway, so the the pilot of, of DS9, let me play this uh, trailer to, um, to that for you as well, and I think this one's a real interesting pilot, very different than than other ones. So uh, here we go.
2: At the edge of the universe, when the future is in peril, Cardassians on our back doorstep. one man faces an impossible mission. I will do the job I've been ordered to do, sir, to protect a defenseless space station.
3: I don't believe the Federation has any business being here.
2: Command an untested crew, and to relive a deadly encounter will disarm your weapons next time on star trek deep space
0: nine so there you have a trailer to um, star trek uh deep space nine emissary episode uh very good i i, I there are a lot of things i liked about ds9 from the very beginning i, I like the fact that um cisco was a family man that he had a son i have two sons so that kind of hit home for me I thought it was really interesting that the Wolf Three Five Nine incident thing with um, Picard as Lucutus uh, and and basically sort of in a way being responsible for Cisco's wife dying uh, is is it was a real interesting way to connect the series and and him to be a little bit bitter and and angry in a way with Picard, even though of course Picard was taken by the Borg and it really wasn't his fault, but Cisco of course still kind of blamed him. And there's there's a lot of differences, you know. I always thought Cisco was much more uh, Kirk-like than uh, Picard ever was. Picard was much more of a negotiator, uh, 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 and, and and Cisco is a guy that you know he'll jump in there and, and punch somebody out. You know, Avery Brooks, uh, he he's got that kind of imposing, you know, voice and and stature and everything like that. I think that that works. Uh, the physicality of. Uh, uh, of being out there on the edge of the universe a bit is, is a good fit. And, uh, and of course we had an, you know, an African-American, uh, the first, you know, head of, of, a, of a Trek series being, uh, you know, a, a black, uh, you know, commander, or eventually captain Cisco. So, uh, so yeah, lots of, lots of cool things. Odo was great. And, and just a lot of neat things about the pilot episode that worked pretty well. Uh, and this, um, The idea of having this show with, uh, you know, set on the station where all these different aliens pop through, there was much more emphasis on the alien factors, lot less human situations than there were on on any other show. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, there there weren't very many even humans in the main cast. You know, the main characters were uh, you had what, uh, O'Brien, Cisco, Jake, you know, his son. But that was pretty much it. Right. Am I missing somebody? I mean, Dax wasn't, you know, uh, Kira wasn't, uh, you know, Odo, of course, uh, but uh, Quark and everything. So um, so pretty, pretty much the 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 least amount of humans uh, as the main characters of, of any other, I think, Trek show they've ever done. So and that and made it interesting. So I keep feeling like I'm saying so a lot. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's finish off uh, the last couple of pilots for Trek. Uh, Let's get into Voyager. I talked to Jenna. uh, We talked about Voyager quite a bit a couple of weeks ago on Treks and Sci-Fi here. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's a great show. Janeway, all the rest. It's a fun show. Uh, Very different. But back to a ship show. but, But a ship show that was... Let's throw the ship way out in the Delta Quadrant, uh, way far away from Starfleet, from the Federation, and have them kind of on their own. And that, of course, all takes place in the pilot episode. The two-parter, although it was all aired uh, back in 95, early 95, uh, all in one shot, but The Caretaker. uh, And uh, yeah, I I think this is a pretty strong pilot episode. I think it does a lot of good things. I think it brings the, the, the different uh, characters together, you know, the Maquis and, the, of course, the crew of the Voyager. I, I love the design of the Voyager ship. I, I like the fact that it's a somewhat smaller Starfleet ship, not as big as like the any of the Enterprises that have come before and so forth. And, and I like Janeway as a captain. I, I think she's a good captain. So uh, let me play the uh, trailer to uh, The Caretaker from uh, Star Trek Voyager. It began as a routine mission. There appears to be a massive displacement wave moving toward us.
2: And it would change their destiny. Captain, there's something out there.
1: Race for impact.
2: One crew and one ship's epic journey 70,000 light years away. We're on the other side of the galaxy. Now it's <gasps> a quest to get back home. Why are you holding us here? See it from the beginning.
1: We have no way back unless you send us.
2: On the premiere of Star Trek Voyager.
0: yeah so there's the pilot uh trailer for um star trek voyager the caretaker yeah i like it Uh, you know they they uh they brought the crews together they had the problem of being you know 75 years of travel away from earth uh and the federation and starfleet so i think it works real well i i think it's a a pretty solid pilot and and it sets the uh the tone of the show and this sets the stage for what's to come. I mean, that that pilot one was a little different because it had to create a situation for them. Uh, the other pilots are more like, okay, here here's a... I mean, yeah, the TNG one, I guess, brings the crew together for the first time. And, and even um, Emissary DS9 does that. But they're much more like the other episodes in a way. This one with Voyager getting... And the Maquis ship getting thrown across the uh, the, the galaxy into the other quadrant, I, I think is is a little different in a way, but um, but a good one. So uh, that brings us to an I get about an hour into the podcast or so. That brings us to the last of the Star Trek series that we've had to date. I'm not going to cover the the animated series of Star Trek, which is coming out on Blu-ray, by the way. I know some people think it's kind of silly to have that on Blu-ray, but I, I'm excited by it. Uh, because I think there's a lot of cool things there, and even animated, even in the simple way it was animated in, in HD, I think it will look uh, cool and better. So yeah, bring it. Uh, it was in- included in that latest or that big Star Trek set that they released, but I didn't purchase that yet, so I'm going to get the animated series on its own. But there wasn't really a pilot episode for, for that uh, series. It was just a couple of seasons, and and uh, so we'll go on to the last show that, that got a pilot, really, in um, a, f- a first episode, which, again, set set some things in motion. Of course, this is Enterprise, or later it was added, the added the moniker Star Trek Enterprise to it. I always thought that was weird. Uh, I mean, if I had been doing the show, I would always have Star Trek in the title. I, I, I think, you know, yeah, maybe you don't need it. But why not? I I mean, Star Trek is such a recognizable, you know, set of, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, an identifying mark, uh, the words Star Trek, just about any place and anyone in the world has sort of a familiarity and and understands what that means. So I'm glad Star Trek Discovery that they're doing is called Star Trek Discovery and not just Discovery or or whatever else they wanted to call it and, and just leave the Star Trek name out. I think it's important. I think uh, I think they they should always include it. So, but Enterprise, of course, started as just being called Enterprise, and then later, after the first two seasons, I think it was between season two and three, when they started come back. When season three started, it was called Star Trek Enterprise. So, but the 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 pilot of this Broken Bow, Enterprise, I think has a lot of things that are very uh, interesting going for it. It's the the series that's closest to our own time. So there, I think the, the actors, characters, situations, they tried to make it a lot more kind of familiar. Uh, you only have really Paul aboard, uh, you know, eventually you have, um, others that they come in contact with, but it's, it's a pretty human centric, uh, show, uh, aboard the ship. So, um, Anyway, uh, the first trailer, you know, Enterprise used a lot more, you know, music in the show, even uh, even including the um, their uh, their theme song, their theme song. Right. So there were a lot of trailers at the time for Enterprise uh, for um, for the series, for the pilot uh, that used a song by The Calling called Wherever You Will Go. And this is one of them I'm going to play for you in a second. I like it. I think it works well. I think it fits the show. I think they're trying to make, they were trying to make the show a little bit more um, of our time to a degree. And and I I I was always a big fan of this song and I I love it used. I think it fits super well for the show. So uh, here's one of the the trailers to Enterprise using the song, uh, The Calling does um, this song called uh, Wherever You Will Go.
2: For decades, we've dreamed of traveling beyond our galaxy. This fall, we will. Neptune and back in six minutes. (laughs) A new era of discovery is about to begin. Let's go. Enterprise launches Wednesday, September
0: 26th on UPN. Yeah, so there's one of the trailers to Enterprise, the first episode, "Broken Bow." This uh, show, I, I love Enterprise. I loved it from the start. I loved it throughout all four seasons. Uh, uh, Scott Bakula, Captain Archer, the the whole cast. I I, I miss that show a lot. I, I I probably almost miss Enterprise. Well, beyond the original series, I probably miss Enterprise more than any other Star Trek, just because we only got four seasons of it. And, and especially seasons, I think three and four, so it got so good, so interesting. And I, I, just feel that it, it really got shortchanged and I hope someday that we could see another enterprise, you know, the characters, the actors uh, playing those characters in a, in a, you know, show up in, in discovery somehow, or, or a movie discovery would work. It's supposed to be set in the prime universe. It's set, um, you know, maybe there's some kind of time travel incident or something happens, but, uh, yeah, or, or, um, or to could still possibly re- be around even, although she was, you know, technically pretty old or older Vulcan, you know, maybe, yeah, she'd probably still be around, but anyway, um, I I like the the use the music in the in that trailer. Uh, I've always liked the, uh, I've always been okay with that theme that they did, uh, which actually um, I have a recording of that or not? I don't have a recording (laughs) actually. YouTube has a recording, but I'm going to play it for you uh, at the end of today's podcast, uh, which is Russell Watson singing live that theme from Enterprise, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love Enterprise, and I think the pilot episode, you know, with the Klingon situation, uh, bringing the characters together, uh, this just, you know kind of distrust between uh, the uh, between Earth and Vulcan and holding Earth back and putting a Vulcan on the ship. Uh, you know, there was some talk and and controversy at the time with a Vulcan being on. Uh, a ship, but it technically wasn't Starfleet yet. Right. So, um, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good, good pilot episode and I, and I like it a lot. And, uh, oh yeah, I have to correct myself that I say there's not, there's not the Federation yet. There's Starfleet. Yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, the Federation is just being kind of in its infancy and starting to be founded and Archer's key to that. But anyway, um, yeah, this, this episode works super well, I think. And, uh, again, I, I like the characters, I like the cast, uh, and, and I was always a huge fan of Scott Bakula. I loved Quantum Leap, and so um, so this show is uh, is very cool, and uh, it, it's one of those that, that most people, I think, a lot of Star Trek fans either overlooked or missed and are kind of catching up on it now. I know Jen and I want to talk about Enterprise uh, sometime as well, kind of like we did with Voyager. Uh, the, these, you know, this series was at the you know, tail end of Trek, uh, people had been maybe, there's always, there's a lot of people who have s- talked about what happened, why did Star Trek, you know, decline in the ratings, what were, I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, I think the show was just as good as any other Trek. I, I think there became more and more entertainment for people to consume uh, between their their electronic devices, computers, the internet, games, more geeky type shows and movies for people to see. and. Star Trek had really kind of, I think people had kind of somewhat OD'd on it a little bit. I'll, I'll never OD on Star Trek. There can be three series uh, at the same time, and I'd watch them all. But, um, but for some, I think it, Star Trek had been on the air for a very long time, you know, since TNG started all the way through. You know, you had overlapping series at times uh, and all the way through Enterprise. You know, almost 20 years of Star Trek on air. Uh, and not counting, even talking about all the movies too. That's a lot of television, you know, 750 ish episodes, something like that total. Um, that's a lot of Star Trek. So, uh, you know, I think it's kind of in a way good that it, that it sort of had, you know, like they call it in, in, in crops and farming, let, let Star Trek kind of lay fallow where you don't plant crops in a field for a while. I wish it hadn't taken like 11, 12 years to get another Star Trek series. I, I w- five or six would have been okay by me. But, I, you know, there was a lot of predictions, and I thought it would take about 10 years before. And, and you know, I've mentioned it many times on the show, one of the reasons I do Treks Fi Fire started it was because to try to keep Trek going and Trek alive. And uh, I have this, you know, idea that when Discovery starts, Although I'll want to cover it for the podcast, I kind of feel like, well, my job's done. I've I, the main goal of this show, even though we spun off and covering lots of other television and other sci-fi movies and TV, it's always kind of been focused uh, primarily on Star Trek. Uh, and but I, I'll I i can not not keep going with Discovery. Come on, it's going to be cool. So. So anyway, Enterprise, very cool, uh, very enjoyable uh, show, and a good pilot. So, so anyway, I hope you guys have enjoyed this this quick rundown, a quick look at um, all the various Star Trek pilots. I know I've covered these things individually on other podcasts. If you check the um, the feed and records, you'll be able to find those. And uh, you know, from uh, from the original series up through Enterprise that I've covered, but I, I wanted to kind of round them up and, and look at them as a as a group uh, because we've had, you know, quite a bit of difference between them and, and they all have their unique, uh, sensibilities, let's call it. So I'm going to wrap this show up now. We're, um, we're pretty good. I think I've kept this pretty tight and, uh, I, I, it could have gone longer, but I, I didn't want to spend a huge amount of time on each pilot episode since I've covered them individually, but just kind of wanted to give you my thoughts and, and a little background too. Next week, Mark will be here. He's going to cover a, a classic sci-fi movie again, of course. A little more recent, well, more recent than some of the movies he's covered. It's still, uh, thirty years or forty years ago. Uh, I think this was in the seventies, mid-seventies, early seventies. Uh, the Andromeda Strain, which uh, which is a really cool movie, and, and uh, I don't hear a lot of people always talking about this one, but it's 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 super cool, and and it's got some interesting things. So I know Mark will do another great job. And I'm going to be back in two weeks with a vidcast. Uh, I'm going to do a vidcast for a special Halloween episode. I've been struggling with trying to figure out what to cover. I have a couple of ideas of, of what... Um, I want to cover some kind of movie or TV or something Halloween-related, of course, for um, for this uh, vidcast that I'm going to do for Halloween. I don't think I've done a Halloween vidcast special before. Uh, but I've got my new setup here, so I, I want to use it. And, and it's been... Uh, Well, I guess the last time I used it was for the Anniversary 600th episode back in early September. So, Okay, that's it, folks. Uh, Always thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading the show. Please leave a review on iTunes. Check out patreon.com forward slash Trex and Sci-Fi to donate to the show if you want to help support Trex and Sci-Fi. And to take us out here, here's Russell Watson with his uh, live version of his uh, theme uh, uh, from Enterprise. I'm sorry, I'm blurbing here now, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.
1: This is a song that um, was written by a, a friend of mine, a, a lady called Diane Warren, who's wrote some uh, incredible hits over the years. Um, it's appearing in the, uh, the latest Star Trek series, which is called Enterprise, which is like pre Captain Kirk, just before Captain Kirk came on the scene, and it's called "Where My Heart Will Take Me." <laughs> It's been a long road Getting from there to here. It's been a long time But my time is finally near And I could feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna hold me down Cause I- i to find my way, and through the darkness, now I finally have my say, and I will feel my dreams come alive and last, I will touch the sky, and I'm not gonna hold it down no more, no, they're not gonna change my mind, i I've got faith the heart, I've got faith. I've got faith. Faith of the heart. It's been a long.
2: This has been a Rico Dosti podcast production.